This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So one of the more recent bangs, one of the really loud ones, John and Lolly did wake up and we could hear Lolly. So I know we wrote about this in Dear Bob and Sue season two. She had her mouth guarded and she sits up and says, what was that? <laughs> and then you have your mouth guard in. And you said, it's the tweed, the tweed, the tweed. So then now I'm now I'm stuck in a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> With the two of you talking like Sylvester the cat as to what we're going to do next. John's still snoring. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're discussing a national park that looks like the Swiss Alps with its jagged mountain peaks. And it feels like Alaska with its glaciers, its remote wilderness areas, and its lack of civilization. What park are we talking about today, Matt? That would be North Cascades National Park here in Washington State. This park has a small window of good weather where you can get out and hike to some of the incredible mountains, lakes, and waterfalls. So you'll want to know ahead of time when the best time is to go, as well as where to find these premier hiking destinations. We'll talk about some other things you should know before you go, and also relive a very scary encounter we had while camping in the park. It's going to be fun. It's going to be lots of fun. (laughs) You know, Matt, I think over the last 10 years, we've explored North Cascades probably more than any other national park, wouldn't you say? We have, yeah. And we kind of got off to a slow start 10 years ago when we were first traveling to all the national parks. And then we went to North Cascades and we couldn't figure out how to get into the park or where to hike. And then all of a sudden we found all sorts of incredible hikes and great things to discover inside the park. I know. Probably some of the most beautiful hikes we've ever done in any of the national parks. Uh, The thing is, I think part of our problem back then was we were fixated on stepping foot inside every national park. And on a couple of parks, that can be a little tricky. And I think North Cascades is probably the biggest one to actually step foot in the park because it's, it's made up of different units. 
Right. Several National Park Service sites all kind of make up the complex. And as far as the Park Service is concerned, it, the whole thing is one essential park. Right. Yeah. And the rangers don't like it. We found out when you try to cherry pick one section of it because they do think that that all three of these units, which happen to be Ross Lake National Recreation Area, Lake Chelan National Recreation Area and North Cascades National Park, they consider that managed as one unit together. We went to a visitor center once and we were asking for hiking, day hiking suggestions and... We were insistent about going into the national park, and they, they wanted to give us hiking suggestions everywhere else, but because it was just harder to get into the, the park. So Lake Chelan National Recreation Area and Ross Lake National Recreation Area, great great hiking there as well. Definitely. I looked up the statistics. So Lake Chelan National Recreation Area is 62,000 acres. Ross Lake National Recreation Area is 117,000 acres. And the National Park, North Cascades, which is a north and south unit, that national park is 505,000 acres. And it all feels bigger because <laughs> it's surrounded by national forests. So mm-hmm. on the west, you have Mount Baker, Snoqualmie National Forest. And then on the east side is Okanagan, Wenatchee National Forest. So it's the whole area together is just a, a huge swath of public land. Yeah, reaching all the way up to Canada. So uh, we should say that, that North Cascades National Park is about a two and a half to three and a half hour drive northeast of Seattle, depending on where you're going in the park. And it is referred to, with good reason, as the American Alps. When you're there in the mountains, hiking in the National Park or, or that whole area, It certainly feels like you're in the Alps. It does. This um, park complex has over 300 glaciers. Did you know it has more glaciers than Glacier National Park? (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the most heavily glaciated area in the United States outside of Alaska. And it has 93 named mountains. That's right. And uh, I read the highest peak is Mount Good, and that is over 9,000 feet tall. Right. The mountains aren't super tall compared to, you know, some of the peaks that you find in Colorado or some of the other volcanoes you find along the Pacific Rim. However, they feel tall enough once you're in them. They do, especially when you're hiking up them. Now, this north and south unit of North Cascades. They are divided by Highway 20, which is also called the North Cascades Highway. And this is actually, even though it runs through the middle of these two units, this is actually part of Ross Lake National Recreation Area. And the the stretch of highway runs for about 30 miles through the park. And it's not open for a very long stretch of time. It's not. And they close it every year because it just gets too much snow at the top. And so they they close it sometime in November, although that date can change quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's December. Yeah. And sometime in May this year, early May, they're opening it up. There used to be an interesting tradition that a woman would go to the opening gate on the west side of the highway every year when they determined the date to open it. And she baked cinnamon rolls, hundreds of cinnamon rolls, actually. And she would take them up there and she would wait in her car and she would make sure she was 
right there at the front of the line and she would give away the cinnamon rolls on the day that they opened the gate. Yeah, she was famous because she did this for 40 years, well into her 90s, until a few years ago when she passed away. But I think a crowd still gathers for some kind of little opening ceremony every May, which is pretty cool to do. I think that's something you should do. You should make cinnamon <laughs> rolls every morning. And oh, every when, morning. Yeah, when I, when I come down... <laughs> and we'll have an opening ceremony. When I come down for breakfast every morning. You give me a cinnamon roll. I think that's something you should do. You could bake them and be known as the cinnamon roll guy. I could, but I don't think many of them would leave the house. I'm a, I'm a little. I'm, I'm a little concerned that I might have my own show on a different channel. You know, the guy that never leaves his house because he can't he can't get out the door. <laughs> Started off as the cinnamon roll guy, and there wouldn't be any left to pass out. No, at I'm not when, when they away. open the road <laughs> on Highway 20. I'm making cinnamon rolls. I'm eating them all. <laughs> now it's interesting. We asked a ranger once why. Why the two park units are divided by, so they're, they're divided by Highway 20, as we said, but why is that section Ross Lake National Recreation Area instead of just putting the two parks together as one unit? And the ranger told us now, I, I haven't read anything to back this up, but the ranger suggested that it's because when the park was established, and we'll talk about that in a second, Ross Lake had a dam on it. I think the dam was built in the 40s. And because it had a dam, they couldn't include it in the national park. I don't know if that's true. But remember, that's what the uh, ranger suggested yeah, to us. Yeah, something about the recreation. Because mm -hmm. I know there is there are dams. other There's like dams in Olympic National Park. Right. But those those came after the park was established. Oh, okay. I, I think that's the difference. I see. But again, what do I know? What, what, <laughs> I'm just throwing what, that what out there. What do you know? You got fired from your history channel job. I did. I did. So briefly, um, I will just say that North Cascades was made a national park in 1968, but they had been trying for decades before that to make this uh, swath of land into a park as early as 1905. And when the land was transferred to the Department of Agriculture as part of the National Forest System, groups sought to uh, turn this place into a national park. But there was such a strong logging industry at the time that groups fought it and fought it. So the subject was brought up pretty much every decade regularly. And it wasn't until 1968 that finally... Finally. Finally, it became a national park. <laughs> That's right. So fairly late, you know, all these other national parks were created at, towards the turn of the century, but it took a, a long time to get North Cascades protected. And it's not heavily visited, uh, which is a little bit of a surprise. As cool as it is to hike in there, only, well, in 2019, there was only 38,000 visitors. Yeah, that's a little misleading because the visitation to Lake Ross National Recreation Area was over a million. Yeah. And then there was added visitation to Lake Chelan. So, yeah, that 38,000 is just for the national park part of it. But it is one of the lowest visited national parks out of all of them. Yeah, the Pacific Crest Trail runs through it. I, I would imagine that there would be more than that many through hikers. <laughs> But yeah. And I think one of the reasons for the low visitation inside the National Park is because 
there is no lodging, there are no restaurants, there are no gift stores, no gas stations. So um, I think that keeps some of the numbers down. You pretty much have to strap a backpack on <laughs> and, and go out there. You can do day hikes, but um, most people are backpacking overnight. That's right. To see the National Park part of it, you do definitely have to strap on some hiking boots. And when's the best time to visit? We're going to sound like a broken record on this. Similar to some of the other parks we talked about recently, Mount Rainier and Crater Lake. You know, these this is a mountainous park and, and really the best time to go is summer, July through September. Yeah, the snow isn't fully melted on the trails until July. And we hear from people who are going in May and June, and we just think, oh, no. I mean, the parking lots for the trailheads are still buried under 10 feet of snow. So really, if you're planning to visit, the best months would be July through September. And we've snowshoed in the park before, uh, but there's only a few places that we have found that you, that you can park along the side of Highway 20 outside of the gates and then then hike in. And it's beautiful, mm-hmm. um, but it's it, it can be deep snow. Oh, yeah. I mean, technically, the park is open all year. So if you can snowshoe in or cross-country ski or even snowmobile, that is permitted. But uh, that's how you're going to have to get there during all those months that the road is closed. Now, they have a few visitor centers. There's the one big one, the North Cascades Visitor Center. It's on Highway 20. It's on the west side of the park by the little town of New Halem. Now, it's closed November 1st through mid-May. Mm-hmm. And, and we should say one thing, too. North Cascades National Park does not have any entrance kiosk like a lot of parks. It's actually free to get in, but there is also no ranger there to hand you a map and a brochure. So if you want that, you'll need to stop at this visitor center, get your picture by the sign, stamp your passport book, and pick up your map. Right. And there are some easy forested hiking trails around that visitor center, too. If you're coming from the west, like all the way from the west, like Highway 5, you drive east towards the park, you'll go through the town of Cedro Woolley. That's where the park headquarters is. And there's also a public information center there. And it has a kind of a feel of a visitor center. Mm-hmm. So, and now that's closed also from end of September through almost end of May. Right. That's why this is definitely a summer park. Yeah. There's one more place. It's the Wilderness Information Center in Marble Mount. And this is where you pick up your backpacking permits. And they are closed September 30th through May 26th. So what do you do in North Cascades National Park? Well, you you hike, (laughs) uh, you backpack. Uh, There are some other things along Highway 20. There are a couple of cool overlooks you don't want to miss. There's an overlook of Diablo Lake, and that's spectacular. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is is truly jaw-dropping. It's a beautiful lake. Mm-hmm. Um, when the sun is out and it's reflecting, I won't go into the um, the wavelengths that what, are what, reflecting in the water. What wavelengths are absorbed by well, the water? Well, I covered that there. on the last episode. Okay. But um, the water is green and beautiful green, not like murky what's in the water green, but like the stunning green color. That's on the west side. Usually they close the highway east of there so you could get there in the winter, mm-hmm. depending on how much snow in a particular winter. But... If you keep going east on 20 to Washington Pass, now that's that's an area that definitely will be closed in the winter, but Washington Pass is also a beautiful area oh my gosh. From, from the highway. Mm-hmm. Spectacular overlook. I tell you that whole, the whole Highway 20 is a gorgeous scenic drive. So even if you're not a hiker, the drive through the park is 
is spectacular. And stop at these overlooks and, and check out the scenery. Which kind of brings us to our favorite hikes in the park because they're a lot of them are right there by that Washington Pass area. So we said, like, snow doesn't melt until July. Really one of the best, absolute best times. I hate to even say this because it's already crowded <laughs> to begin with. But in early October, it is beautiful to hike because there's larches. Mm-hmm. And larches aren't birds because I used to think they were birds. But oh, the, when we first moved to Washington yeah. and everyone kept talking about the larches are out, the larches are out. The larches <laughs> turn colors. Actually, mm-hmm. what a larch is, I didn't even know this existed. It's it's a conifer, but it loses its needles. Mm-hmm. So if you go up there and you see all of these beautiful conifer trees and you think they're dying, they're not. Uh, they turn golden color and they lose their needles and then they come back the next spring. So usually during the first week of October, when these needles change to this golden yellow color, it is absolutely beautiful. And these large trees only grow in certain places and at certain elevations. So they're not everywhere in the park. You have to hike to some specific spots to see them. So some of our favorite hikes, the Maple Pass Loop. It's in the National Forest and it goes to the edge of North Cascades National Park. It's about a seven mile round trip. It has about a 2100 foot elevation gain. Um, Now we like to hike it counterclockwise, although we've done it both ways and it's just as beautiful. And similar hikes in distance and beauty are Rainy Pass to Cutthroat Pass. That one is five miles of the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. So it goes up to Cutthroat Pass and then uh, back to the trailhead. Now, that that's about a 10-mile round trip, about a 2,000-foot elevation gain, and it is also mostly in the National Forest. Yeah, as you said, it's five miles to Cutthroat Pass. You can continue on the Pacific Crest Trail all the way to Canada if you'd like to. It does get a little bit more difficult yeah. past, past Cutthroat Pass, and especially if you're doing it as a day hike. You know, a 10-mile, it's a good 10-mile round trip if you turn around at Cutthroat Pass, but that's absolutely stunning. And that happens to be located right across the highway from Maple Pass Loop, so very conveniently located. Another great hike, and this one is shorter and a little bit easier, is Blue Lake. It's four and a half miles round trip and uh, a 1,000 feet elevation gain. Again, this one is in the National Forest. So these aren't in any part of the North Cascades Park complex, but they're such incredible hikes that these are the ones that everyone flocks to, I think. And those three are pretty close to each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if we go to kind of another part of the park, a little bit further west of there. It's actually south of the town of Marble Mount, where we talked about there's there's Ranger Station. There's Cascade Pass. Now, you have to take from the town of Marble Mount, you take a 23-mile road to the Cascade Pass trailhead, and that, that road actually enters the national park. It's, it's paved for a little while, but then it's dirt for most of the way to the trailhead. And it's closed even later than Highway 20 usually because they mm-hmm. got to clear it from all the snow and the rock falls and trees and stuff. Yeah, I don't think it usually opens till around the 1st of July typically. Yeah. Matter of fact, the time we hiked that trail, it was end of July and they just opened it. So you have to check with the Marble Mount Ranger Station as to when that opens. But that is an incredible hike, Cascade Pass. It's about up to the pass. It's about a seven-mile round trip, and it has 
1,800 feet elevation gain? <laughs> yeah, it has over 30 switchbacks. I think we were counting that one time we did it. So it, it's somewhat strenuous, but the views, well, the views the entire way are incredible. But when you get up to Cascade Pass, it is phenomenal. And this hike is, as we said, is in the National Park specifically. <laughs> and that, the view from Cascade Pass, when there's snow on the mountains and it's a sunny day, well, there's always going to be snow on the mountains because those mountains are going to have snow year round. It is probably one of the best views we've seen from a trail anywhere of any National Park mm-hmm. uh, trails. We went there once on a bluebird day and it's just spectacular view. The reason we were there is on that trail, you you get up to Cascade Pass and you could continue hiking all the way down to the town of Stahican, which we'll talk about later. But you can also turn left and go up to Sahali Glacier, which was the subject for episode two of this podcast series. That's right. That so was our whole, ep- epic yeah. backpacking trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, if you want to hike Cascade Pass, you don't need a permit to day hike it. But if you're going to be camping anywhere, you do need a permit. And they're very difficult to get because it's such limited campsites and so many people want to do it. Now, we found a tip. If you don't have time to do Cascade Pass, but you really want to step your foot in North Cascades National Park, then here's what you can do. You can park at Bridge Creek, which is along Highway 20. There's a small parking lot there. Cross over the highway and hike south on the Pacific Crest Trail, and you will enter the National Park, gosh, within about a mile. Right. Yeah. And so, and it's a beautiful forested trail. It's fairly easy at that point. So you could go for a stroll inside the national park. And we've done that. That stretch there is actually a fairly easy stretch of the PCT because it's, it's low land. But if you keep hiking after a couple of miles, uh, you have, you have a couple of choices. You can continue on the Pacific Crest Trail or you can turn left and get, kind of go towards Tahikin. Both of those directions will get you up into the mountains more. Right, and it's gorgeous back there. Now, as far as where to stay, there are a lot of campgrounds in the park. We're not going to go into those now because of because of the time factor, but they're all listed on the North Cascades website, so you could check those out if you're interested. As far as hotel lodging, there are little towns outside of the park, both on the west side and the east side. We would recommend staying on the east side in either the little town of Mazama or the town of Winthrop. Yeah, uh, there's no like chain motels. They're all small, quaint places to stay. But both those towns are, are interesting. Winthrop's a little bit bigger, but but they're both, you know, postage stamp size towns. That's right. Winthrop, it looks like an old Western town. And they have a very good brewery, which is called the Old Schoolhouse Brewery. And they have a good winery called the Lost River winery. So in the evening after you've been hiking these incredible hikes, you can grab a beer or a glass of wine in either of these places. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is another place to stay, which is harder, much harder to get to, <laughs> called the North Cascades Lodge, and it's in the town of Stahican. It's the only lodge in the National Park Complex, and it's actually in Lake Chelan National Recreation Area, and it's a rustic 27-room lodge uh, right on the shore of the lake. It's beautiful. We've stayed there. That's that's great fun. This little tiny town of Stahican, where the lodge is, there are about 80 to 90 full-time residents who live there. And the town is situated at the head of Lake Chelan, and there are no roads that go in and out of this tiny town. So to get there, you have to either boat in, fly in, hike in, or horseback ride in. Now, we have um, hiked in and taken the ferry in, uh, mm-hmm. different different trips. One way to get there is... The ferry from the town of Chelan, the Lady of the Lake ferry. Yeah, so um, if you want to take the Lady of the Lake to Stahican, Lake Chelan is about a 55-mile-long fjord. It's the third deepest lake in the United States. And so the, the boat ride goes from the town of Chelan in the south, southeast, up to Stahican in the north. And the times on the boat ride vary because they have three different boats that go. You know, they have fast boat, medium boat, and slow boat. (laughs) So it can take anywhere from one and a half hours to four hours to get from Chelan up to Stahican, depending on which boat you you ride on. And it's a beautiful boat ride. Oh, my gosh. And it's worth it just for the boat ride itself and and the views because you go from this desert area by the town of Chelan, mm-hmm. uh, and it slowly becomes mountainous. And by the time you get to Stahican, you're deep into these high peaks that are that are surrounding the lake right there by Stahican. Absolutely beautiful snow-covered peaks that is like sailing into Switzerland. And then when the boat docks, this North Cascades Lodge is, is right there, uh, right there when you get off. Yeah, there's no transportation to the lodge. Just walk across the parking lot and you're there. That's right. Uh, One of the interesting things about Stahican is it's one of the big stops on the Pacific Crest Trail for hikers because um, they can get the packages that they've sent ahead to themselves in the mail so they can pick up their future food. Um, There are places there they can take a shower. They can have a good meal. So a lot of PCT hikers stop off in Stahican. We've seen some of them there. Well, and the way they get to Stahican, because the trail doesn't go right through the town, they get off the trail and they wait for the bus. Uh They literally (laughs) wait for the bus and take the bus into town. Yes, exactly. From that point, there's a road that stretches from there to where the lodge sits. It's an 11-mile road through the valley. So that would be a very long way to walk for these hikers to get to Stahican. Yeah, although I think some of them have done it before. Sure, I mean, probably. It, they're hiking such a long distance. But anyway, we say a bus. We should mention that this area of Stahican, it's essentially a land island, meaning there are no roads in or out of it, there's a few roads in the area of Stahican and a few cars that have been brought there. 
the residents of Stahican have to use the barge to get their cars and freight there. And most of the cars have been there for a long, long time. <laughs> so this bus is called the Stahican Red Bus. It costs $8 for a one-way trip to the end of this 11-mile road. And it's available for anyone who's staying at the lodge, for instance. If And they, they make different stops. So if you want to take the bus, you can get off at Rainbow Falls. We'll talk about that in a minute. You could take it all the way to the end, to the trailhead for High Bridge to, to take a little hike in the park. Um, so anyone can take it from people staying at the lodge to Pacific Crest Trail hikers. It's a great service because like we said, it cuts off about 11 miles each way. And we should also say that in the little town of Stahican, there is a campground mm-hmm. and uh, there's a nice visitor center, the Golden West Visitor Center. Right. And that's only open in the summer. So when we took the boat to Stahican years ago, it was actually one of the very first park experiences we had back when we were visiting all the parks. We took the Lady of the Lake uh, up to the lodge. I think we took the slow boat, if if I recall, the four-hour one. It seems slow. Yeah, I think you slept through part of it. (laughs) Uh, But the first thing we did was, because we couldn't check into our room yet, we walked to, and this is one of the highlights of Stahican, the Stahican Pastry Company, or as everyone refers to as the bakery. The bakery. I didn't even know it had a name. We just called it the bakery. <laughs> I know, I know. And it is worth the one and a half mile walk. Oh, it is. Several it's, times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have cinnamon rolls. Oh, we're back on the cinnamon rolls yeah, again, but they exactly. have cinnamon rolls the size of your head. <laughs> and they have quiche and all sorts of other things. It's it's a incredible bakery in the middle of nowhere. Oh my gosh, they do such an amazing job. Uh, it's usually pretty crowded because everyone who's staying at the lodge is there and residents who live there and and PCT hikers, but man, is it good. It gets crowded fairly shortly after the boats arrive. Mm-hmm. Right, everyone's <laughs> heading there. So if you want to be first in line like I always do, just Run. Just run. <laughs> run the one and a half miles. It's yeah. easy. You're just you're just running on the road. Yeah, and, and there's no cars. Matter of fact, I think when we walked it, two trucks passed us and they both stopped and asked us if we wanted to ride. There are no cars in this area. I know. It's interesting because there is also no crime, apparently, in this little town. Uh, one of the things we did was we rented bikes. And I remember when we when we first rented them, we asked if they had bike locks so that when we got to wherever we were going to stop, we could lock lock up our bikes. And the woman just laughed and she said, honey, you don't need any bike locks. No, no said, one's going to steal your bike. She said, if they take your bike, they'll bring it back. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's a different world over there for sure. <laughs> but we rented bikes and rode them up the road past the bakery. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this was after we checked into the lodge. And what was cool, we went to this orchard. Well, there's several interesting places to stop along the road if you're riding bikes. But one of them was the Buckner Orchard. And it was a homestead that uh, William Buckner started in 1911. And it's it's still a working orchard today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, apple trees there. Yeah, the National Park Service manages manages it, and uh, I guess those orchards are historic with um, with apple varieties that were popular back in the early 1900s, and they still do the same century old irrigation techniques. So it's kind of fun. We wandered through the orchard, saw the homestead. 
But the thing, I know you want to go back in the fall sometime because... Yeah. We want to pick apples and uh-huh. make apple cider. That's right. You can do that. Yeah. They have, I think it's certain Saturdays in the fall, or maybe it's just one Saturday that you go and they have an apple, is it called an apple press? Is that what it's called? That makes apple cider? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're city folks. I, I However, come, you squeeze the juice yeah, out of an apple. I it came in the jug. <laughs> But anyway, you can go, you can pick apples, and you can take home your own apple cider, which would be very fun to do. <laughs> uh, one other thing that we did, which is a beautiful sight to see along that road, is Rainbow Falls. It's about, it's over 300 feet tall. Um, and depending, of course, when you're there, how much water is flowing, it, it's a beautiful sight. And you'll probably get wet. Oh, yes. Because mm-hmm. that, that's why they call it Rainbow Falls, mm-hmm. because the... The water's in the air creating rainbows, but that Rainbow Falls area is an interesting place. There's a little old schoolhouse uh, over there, that uh, one-room schoolhouse that you can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a giant Paul Bunyan picnic table. Remember right. that? The picnic table was Huge so big that table. we were like little miniature people right. sitting at yeah. it. I don't even think your feet touched the ground. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that was a great trip. Our first day, the boat ride took all morning. So we had half a day in Stahegan that day. Then we had one more full day, and then the third day we left. So all total three days, and it was great. And I think that was the perfect amount of time. But what really sticks in my mind is the time that we backpacked from Highway 20 to Stahegan, which is, gosh, roughly 23 miles. So we did that with John and Lolly. Uh, we planned to hike to Stahican. Mm-hmm. And so we had our backpacks and then we're planning for a multi-day trip. We had originally planned on that trip to hike up to Cascade Pass. But when we got to the Marble Mount Ranger Station, we couldn't get camping sites for Sahali Glacier, which is one of the spots we wanted to stop. And then the spots all the way then down to Stahican. It was Also, at the time, there was a lot of wildfires in the area, so there was a lot of smoke. So it Mm -hmm. turned out to be a good thing, because I think had we gotten those campsites, we would have ended up at Sahali Glacier and been just in thick smoke. So the way that works is, we'll just say quickly, they reserve campsites ahead of time online, you know, months ahead of time, but then they hold back 40% of the campsites for walk-ins. So that's why we thought that we could show up the day before, right when this Marble Mount Ranger Station opened and we thought we could get campsites for Sahali Glacier. And we were wrong. Thought wrong. (laughs) They were all gone. So the ranger, because he could sense our disappointment, he rerouted our trip. And and the path that he put us on and the campsites that he gave us, we did not have a chance to research. We didn't know anything about these. These were all new to us. But still, what we had done, though, is we had put a truck in the town of Chelan, Mm -hmm. left a truck there the day before, and our plan was to hike, backpack into Stahican, take the ferry to Chelan, pick up the truck, and then drive back to Ridge Creek, where we started the hike, to pick up the other truck. That's right. So he put us at two campsites on the way to Stahican. One was called McAllister Pass. The second one was called Rainbow Bridge. And then the third night, he had us at the campground that's right next to the lodge in Stahican. And then the next day, we would take the ferry out. That was the original plan. Yeah. The first day was fairly uneventful, but the second day... The second day was tough because what we didn't realize, there was a lot of burnout along the trail, and so it was kind of longer and hotter than we thought, but we 
ended up that second day at Rainbow Briggs Camp. And, and the reason it's named Rainbow Briggs is because it's on Rainbow Creek, which is what turns into Rainbow Falls, which we talked about earlier. So we we got there. We were pretty hot. Uh, it was a tough day of hiking. It, it was a tough day of hiking. Mm-hmm. We got there you know, mid-afternoon, able to put our backpacks down and thankfully uh, go sit in the creek. Mm-hmm. to cool down. So that mm-hmm. we, we had plenty of time to set up camp. and But what we didn't know until we got there was that a fire had come through uh, this whole area, including this, this campground, years before, and it had pretty much burned it to, I'm yeah. not going to say to the ground, because there were still tall trees standing. All that was left was the trunk. They looked like uh, burned telephone poles standing there, only much, much taller than telephone poles. Yeah, a lot of burnout. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, what, what happens, of course, is there's no shade. Right. So it can be pretty hot in the summertime there. At one time, it was a fairly good-sized campground, but because there were so many downed trees from the fire... There were only two sites left that you could camp in that were clear enough to set up tents, and those were our sites. So it was eerie because we were the only people there. We were in this burned-out, spooky forest. And as we had mentioned, there was there were forest fires in Canada, and the smoke from those was kind of settling in around us. Right. It was it like was, the apocalypse it, or something. It was, it, <laughs> Wasn't ideal conditions, but oh, it was pretty awful. The only thing that kept me from hiking my butt into Stahican because it was five miles away was that I was dead tired and I I had no gas left in my tank. We were pretty whipped, and Mm -hmm. even though we getting in the creek kind of got us some of our energy back because it cooled us off, we we set up camp. And once camp set up, we're not going to take it down and. We had dinner, we played cards, and and made the best of it. That's right. You know, it gets dark late in the summer here in the Pacific Northwest, so I think it was finally dark around 10, 10, 15, so we crawled into our tents. And I know, I think John and Lolly were passed out right away because we could hear John snoring. <laughs> and, it, and it was warm enough that we didn't put the rain fly on the tent. So mm-hmm. the, the whole top of our tent is mesh and it's open. So you can see outside just as, as if there's nothing there. So we were both still awake, and I think it was about 10.30, and I was fitfully trying to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, there was this really loud bang, and it sounded exactly like a gunshot. Yeah, it it did sound like a gunshot, which concerned me because (laughs) I thought uh, possibly the area that we were at, no one else camps there because it's burnout, and I thought... Well, maybe there's somebody out there, I don't know, maybe they were doing target practice or whatever, thinking that there couldn't be anyone out here camping, because who would camp in this area? And I'm thinking, well, that's great. Like, they don't realize there's tents here. And so I I was concerned that somebody was shooting a gun in the middle of the night. Well, yeah, so was I. And in fact, we heard heard the same sound about... Five minutes later, I thought 100% it was deranged serial killer oh, okay. coming or to that. get us. Yes. Not, <laughs> Who's not, doing target practice at 1030 at night in the dark? And they're coming to get us. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we were that like- That makes a lot more sense. I know. We didn't know what to do because if you think someone's out there with a gun, do you get out of your tent? Do you huddle in your tent and hope they don't come and massacre you? I don't know. We didn't know what to do. Well, I would give you the bear spray. <laughs> And, we did have bear and, spray. And have you go out and and <laughs> poke around, and then the deranged person would chase you, and then I'd come up from behind. It was 
Is that the, your plan? The deranged person <laughs> and, and take care of them. And we're whispering, John and Lolly, did you hear that? And there's no sound from Nothing. their tent. Nothing. They were like dead to the world. So, gosh, we laid there probably for another about, hour or two. Yeah, about yeah. two hours, eyes wide open. Uh-huh. And just as I thought, well, you know, the deranged person has found somebody else to murder. And just about ready to fall asleep, we heard it again, louder and closer, and it really spooked us. It did. But I think it was at about that time that you noticed, I, I was too freaked out to even know what was going on, but you noticed through the um, through the top of our tent that the trees were swaying and the wind had picked up. The wind had picked up considerably. And what was happening, we finally realized this was some of those burned trees were going down. And when they would fall, it had like a metallic sound to it. It did. I mean, it literally sounded like a gunshot, Mm -hmm. which didn't really comfort us any. (laughs) I I thought I I would prefer a deranged killer. Almost. Right? Because looking out of our tent, I could see all of these trees, many, many of them within striking distance of our tent. They're all swaying. And I don't know what direction the wind was coming from, but they were all swaying right towards our tent. I know. And I thought, okay, this is it. This is how it ends. Right, one right. One of those trees is going <laughs> to smack us. So one of the more recent bangs, one of the really loud ones, John and Lolly did wake up and we could hear Lolly. So I know we wrote about this in Dear Bob and Sue season two. She had her mouth guarded and she sits up and says, what was that? <laughs> and then you have your mouth guard in. And you said, it's the tweeze, the tweeze, the tweeze. So was... then now I'm now I'm stuck in a Looney Tunes cartoon <laughs> with the two of you talking like Sylvester the cat as to what we're going to do next. John's still snoring. Yeah. But she woke John up. We all got out of our tents and looked around. So here's the dilemma. First of all, there's no place to move our tent because there are no other free... Yeah, the burnout, was, the burnout. was everywhere. And so. plus, what good would moving the tent do? Because we didn't know what trees are going to fall. Right. So our only other option would be to pack up in the middle of the night and hike in the dark the five miles to Stahican. And so we thought, hmm, do we take our chances that a tree hopefully doesn't fall on us or do we... Do we you I don't know, pack like, up? I don't like packing up in the morning after I've been rested and have had a meal. Like there's <laughs> no way at 1230 in the morning I'm going to pack up the entire camp and then start hiking in the dark. I know. So we decided that we would just die there. They'd find us in our tents. We would wait for one of the trees to crush us. Such a spooky, freaky night. It was But But guess what? We survived. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) A tree didn't get us. But boy, we got up in the morning. We did not linger. We packed up our stuff and we got the hell out of there and got to Stahican. And the disappointing part that day was when we got to Stahican, the the smoke from the forest fires had pretty much blanketed the entire view. The smoke was so thick that you couldn't see the mountains. Mm -hmm. There were no clouds, just smoke. And the mountains by Stahegan are right there, a quarter of a mile away. So there was really nothing to see. We had a uh, reservation for the campground. Fortunately, there was some room on the next ferry out. Mm -hmm. So we called an audible and decided to 
go back a day early. Yeah, it was really disappointing because John and Lolly had never been to Stahican, and we had talked it up big. We had said, oh my gosh, it's one of the most beautiful places you'll ever see. We'll have dinner at the lodge. We'll hang out at the at the dock. It'll be so much fun. And so none of that, none of that <laughs> occurred. But we did have a chance to go to the bakery. We did go we to hiked, the bakery. We hiked right past it mm-hmm. on, our, on our way out of the forest. And that was like the consolation prize, right? I think we ate yeah. almost everything in the yeah. place yeah. And <laughs> because no... we were feeling sorry for ourselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that is, um, I think that's our summary of North Cascades National Park for it today. It is a beautiful park and the whole national park complex there. It's a great area and, and all the national forests surrounding it. It's a beautiful area of public land. It is. And we have learned that even though we really specifically wanted to hike in the quote-unquote national park, the Ross Lake and the Lake Chelan National Recreation Areas are every bit as exquisite. So you really can't go wrong, um, no matter what part of the park you're exploring. Yeah, it's a beautiful park. It is. So we still have a few more hikes on our list to do there, some hikes we haven't done, as well as uh, John and Lolly keep trying to talk us into doing another backpacking trip or two up there. (laughs) Yeah, strap on the backpack. Let's make sure that we're not sleeping in burnout. (laughs) Yeah, as long as we don't have a spooky burnout uh, campsite with trees falling around us in the middle of the night. And we still don't know that maybe it was a deranged killer out there. Could have been. Could have been. been. Yeah. And he's still on the loose. Ooh. So so that's our sales pitch for North Cascades (laughs) National Park. You'll love it. Yeah. Now for a quick update on the pop quiz that I gave Matt on our Mount Rainier episode. What were the first five national parks in this country? Uh, If you remember, Mount Rainier's website claims that it's the fifth national park, but I couldn't figure out why most other sources say that Rainier is the fourth national park. Well, the mystery has been solved by one of our listeners, Muri, who messaged us on Facebook. Oh, good, because I haven't been able to sleep because I've been wondering what <laughs> what the answer could be. Lost some sleep, did you, Matt? I did. <laughs> well, here you go. Kings Canyon was established in 1940, but before it was Kings Canyon, a smaller section of it was General Grant National Park, established back in 1890. So the Park Service considers it to be our third national park tied with Yosemite. So we have Yellowstone as the first park, Sequoia as the second, Yosemite and Kings Canyon tied for third, and Rainier comes in at number five. I see. So maybe we should replay that clip where we had the pop quiz and I got it right. And then um, and you you even said I was wrong. So then you could give me a public apology. You want to do that? Mm, consider this your public apology, Matt. But I didn't but hear what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you Say- would have to apologize for it to be a public apology. What's that saying? Even a blind pig can find an acorn every once in a while. Okay, <laughs> okay. it's a squirrel instead of a pig. Oh, it and, is. and am I the pig or the acorn? <laughs> If you enjoyed our podcast and you'd like to help Karen get to her goal of 750 ratings and reviews, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for some good summer reads, check out all of our Dear Bob and Sue books on Amazon. 
Our show is produced by our team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our cover artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. Now, we need to wrap this up, Matt, because I suddenly have a strange craving for cinnamon rolls. Okay, well, this blind squirrel (laughs) will get busy making those cinnamon rolls, but you... You want to be there when I open the oven because they're not going to last very long. All right. I'll be waiting. (laughs) 